It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Dak Prescott is on his last contract. He'll be a backup after this contract is over. But I don't see Dallas bringing him back with that type of money. And once you've made that type of money, you don't get two like that. That after all those interceptions and turnovers throughout the last three or four years. And I, I don't see Cowboys bringing him back at that type of money. And I think he'll be a backup elsewhere. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Here's your boy Q. Q. If that didn't sound like a New York Giant, I don't know what does. <laughs> that could have been Jesus he was talking about. He's like, I don't know about him. He's a little overrated right there. Brandon Jacobs talking about Dak Prescott. Yeah, it's probably not the right guy to ask about a Cowboy anything is a former Giant at all. But there it is. That was Brandon Jacobs talking about Dak Prescott and what he can do following his current contract as we are kicking off hour number two of the show unnecessary roughness Raider Nation Radio 920 we're at the Circa uh, enjoy everything going on here and I'll tell you a lot more about them in a minute but right now join us on the phone lines our good friend Haley Sutton she's the host and reporter for the Dallas Cowboys and Haley thanks so much for your time and was there any shock that a giant didn't think highly of Dak Prescott I mean I don't know what was worse that sound bite or LaShawn McCoy earlier this year saying that Dak Prescott was ass twice so you know you just the former players the haters they're going to be here forever um, they the are. good thing about Dak though is he's really kind of unfazed with that kind of stuff so it's all part of the game there it is. There's no doubt. And I, I love the fact that even Brandon Jacobs isn't even in the league, hasn't been in the league for a very long time. He's like, oh, he's a cowboy. I'm not giving him no love. No, <laughs> not giving mm-hmm. that cowboy any kind mm-hmm. of love. Well, I want to talk about those cowboys, and you definitely cover them like a glove. You do a fantastic job. Of course, we've known each other for a while now. How has training camp and preseason, I know they're kind of riddled with injuries, but how's everything gone so far on the cowboy front? I think they look good, man. And I know that the running joke is always, this is our year. This is our year. Um, But I got to be honest with you. This is the most complete team that I've seen, even with some of the injuries that we just have recently dealt with on, you know, over this past weekend. Um, I really do believe that this team has the ingredients to put it all together. Um, I think obviously still working through some kinks, like the offensive line, uh, getting Zach Martin back into the mix has been a godsend to say the least, but uh, it's also given our younger guys an opportunity to really step up and show what they're able to do. Austin Richards on that offensive line um, has really done a good job of being versatile and the Cowboys always preach about versatility. Um, So still a little bit of time with that final preseason game and then week zero, um, a lot of things to still kind of tidy up. But uh, the biggest thing is that the mentality is there. These guys are locked in. They're competitive at practice every day. Um, they're working really hard, so I'm excited to see what they can kind of figure out in this last preseason game on Saturday. What does the offense look like, or does it look any different now that Mike McCarthy is calling the plays and Kellen Moore's in L.A. with the Chargers? Yeah, um, I think it looks different, but I think it looks different in a good way. Um, okay. I think the most difficult part about last season was that Dak missing those first five games really impacted him more than what we were any of us were really anticipating. And I think a lot of times we put on these rose-colored glasses and we're like, oh, our starting quarterback is back and he's been training and he looks really good and we're ready to go. Um, But missing that first five weeks for Dak really messed up his timing. It messed up his um, chemistry with some of these guys. And as a result, that's where a lot of those interceptions came from. There was a timing issue. Um, The wide receivers weren't on the same page. Uh, You know, the running backs were trying to get more involved and it just wasn't clicking. So I think what you've seen with Mike McCarthy is he's converted this to this West Coast, the Texas Coast 
um, <laughs> style of offense, you're seeing them move the ball a lot more efficiently. Um, and what I've been told over and over again about this West Coast offense, the reason why it's so successful is because it allows teams to control time of possession and it allows teams to also continue to move the chains. Uh, that's kind of what they're pushing here. They want to get, you know, quick, short yardage plays going before they air out that big bomb. Um, they've added some threats this offseason, of course, with Brandon Cooks, and I am so excited to get to finally see him suit up um, as a Dallas Cowboy officially uh, coming up in that week one against the Giants. Um, but it's definitely it, – it, it's, it's got some tweaking, I think, still before that first game, but uh, I think it's working well so far for Dak and the rest of the offense. Talking all things Cowboys right now with Haley Sutton. She's a host and reporter for the Cowboys here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Necessary Roughness. Of course, the Raiders traveled to Big D to take on the Cowboys in the final preseason game. And thank goodness it's the final preseason game. I'm ready for the regular season. But, Haley, what are you going to be looking for in this game? Like, who needs to step up for the Cowboys in this game three, almost to kind of prove themselves and solidify their roster spot? Um, well, there's a couple of places. Uh, not so much – Proving themselves necessarily uh, in terms of the question, but uh, Mozzie Smith is definitely someone who I've been really mm. keeping a close eye on this offseason. Um, and I think with the expectation of drafting a guy in the first round, you expect them to be able to jump right into the mix and be effective. And that's not to say that Mozzie Smith won't be effective. I think he's done really well. Um, but the problem is, is, you know, in college, when he played at Michigan, he was always the strongest person in the room, right? He didn't have to necessarily always rely on fundamentals and technique because he could throw anybody and everybody off of the ball at any given time. Um, and I think now that he's starting to play with the big boys, those fundamentals are really starting to come into effect. So um, I've loved, you know, seeing his growth in this training camp. He spent a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with some of the defensive line coaches, working on hand techniques, working on pass rushing, working on his footwork. Um, so I'm just continuing to monitor him and how he's able to work into the mix with the first team. Um, I think also I'm looking at the running backs. Um, Mike McCarthy told us earlier today that um, Hunter Lipke, one of the undrafted free agents out of North Dakota State, is a guy who has a lot of potential. We haven't seen a ton of him, so he said expect to see um, a lot of work from Hunter Lipke on Saturday. So I'm curious to see from the fullback position what he's able to accomplish. And I think as well with the tight ends specifically, um, this West Coast style of offense is a little bit different for tight ends. They're asked to do a lot more blocking and they're asked to be a lot more involved in pass protection. And so I'd like to kind of see how guys like, you know, Peyton Hendershot are going to take that full on, especially given the injury to John Stevens last week. Um, so a lot of moving parts. I think the big thing this week is just kind of tidying up some loose ends. And, and like you said, making the decisions to make this 53 because it's definitely going to be challenging with this roster. Yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, every team, I'm so glad that I don't have any kind of decision that I have to make yeah. at all because it always looks like it's so much competition. You mentioned the running backs. I have to ask about Deuce Vaughn. I've uh, covered him. I saw him a lot while he was at K-State, and he was a lot of fun there. How much fun is he having there at, at camp? Obviously, his pops is part of the organization as well, but what have you seen from Deuce so far? Yeah, I am so excited for Juice. I actually got to chat with him at the Combine earlier this year, um, and just kind of that was my first introduction. And the first thing that I said was like, wow, this kid is so poised. Um, it doesn't matter what you ask him, how you ask it, or, you know, what you're even saying. Um, he takes every question head on, and he's so articulate. Um, and I think he understands the game of football better than any of us really thought. Um, I know the conversation surrounding Deuce is, oh, he's too small. He's 5'5", five, five, he's 5'6", five, yeah. he's going to get crunched, this, that. And I'm even guilty of, you know, thinking those things because he is. And especially when he first reported for rookie minicamp and you saw him standing next to some of these other guys, 
Um, it is significant, but what I can say is, is that Deuce has the benefit of playing at this size for his entire life, right? So he's used to it. Yeah. Um, and in talking to a lot of those guys on the defensive line, the number one thing that they're saying is we have a hard time keeping track of him because one minute he's down and he's below the offensive line, and then the next minute he's in motion and he's moved and we can't see him and it's hard, and then he pops out and puts everybody in spin move 30 seconds later and scores a touchdown. Um, so it's been really exciting just to kind of see – what everybody saw at Kansas State translate to the professional level because that was the biggest question with Deuce going forward. Um, he's a talented football player. He's very skilled. He's very intelligent. Um, and you're kind of starting to see that on Saturdays. Can you can you kind of see him as a guy that, you know, may – I don't know, they, Mike McCarthy might try to just get him in space and just use his athletic ability and what he does. I mean, he was a hell of a running back at K-State. Can you think there's like a handful of plays that he could really – I don't know, kind of master and just own for the Cowboys moving forward? Yeah, I mean, you know how this works, Q. They're going to keep all of their special stuff close to their chest, and we for won't sure. know it until we see it happen on the field. Um, but I know that they're working to design some special packages for him, um, and, and the benefit to Deuce Vaughn um, is that he's willing to do whatever they've asked him. Um, I've been cracking up. There was a clip that we shot from training camp out in Oxnard a couple weeks ago um, kind of introducing Deuce to what pass protection as a running back for the Cowboys looks like. And he went one-on-one with Tank Lawrence. And Oof. it obviously, exactly, um, <laughs> it didn't pan out the way maybe he wanted it to, but it's the willingness, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of these other guys don't want to face Tank Lawrence. I mean, CeeDee Lamb was complaining about having to go against Micah every day at practice yesterday. So um, imagine that with Deuce facing a Tank Lawrence. But he is so eager. He's so willing. Um, I think he – not that he's okay with failing, um, but I think he understands that in every scenario, whether he's successful or not, he's going to get some valuable experience out of it. And that's kind of been the draw to the coaching staff is seeing, you know, what he's willing to do, what he can do, and then how they can kind of use him. He's kind of like the Cavante Turpin of last year, where Cavante kind of came on the scene in the preseason. He had those two um, kickoffs returned for touchdowns, and people went, oh, snap, like, Cavante Turpin? Like, is this a thing? I think it's kind of that energy is the same with Deuce. Um, So, obviously, they've got some special stuff planned up their sleeve. Talking all things Cowboys right now with Haley Sutton here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. The Raiders travel to Big D to take on the Cowboys in preseason game number three. How big has the addition of Stephon Gilmore been for that Cowboys secondary? Oh, man. I mean, it's huge. Just when you thought that that part of the field couldn't get any dif- more difficult, now you add in a former defensive player of the year. Um, and this is a guy who, you know, make no mistake about it, he's in the twilight of his career. Um, that's not to say there's a drop-off necessarily, but, you know, he's getting up there in terms of longevity, and uh, he's ready to win a Super Bowl. That's kind of all he's really talked about since being here is wanting to help this team get over the hump and make it to that Super Bowl. And when you're talking about, you know, lining up, People last year were so disappointed in Trayvon Diggs because of his lack of interceptions, but what they failed to realize is that people weren't targeting him last year the way they did that first year because they learned their lesson. Um, Now you're going to have to make a choice as a quarterback. You're going to throw and face off against a Trayvon Diggs who has been a monster at training camp, or you're going to throw on the opposite side to a Stephon Gilmore who has a proven resume. And even a a layer – um, deeper than that, some of these other young guys, Deron Bland, even Eric Scott, our fifth-round draft pick that the Cowboys traded up for, I believe sixth round actually for him. Um, but 
the knowledge that they're able to soak up from these guys, even Trayvon learning from Stefan, they both are wearing matching uh, Jordan cleats now. So they're, you know, they've got the two red cleats on the side. And I don't know if that's something that they'll continue into games, but uh, just that knowledge, that experience, the, um, what he brings to the table and his willingness to teach these guys too. He's talked openly about wanting to help these guys be successful. You see him on the sidelines kind of coaching them up too. So uh, it's been good for that aspect and for the competition side of it too. Also I had to ask you about Micah Parsons. I mean, that dude, I think he's going to be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. Uh, what's next for Micah? What, what is the plan for him? I know he's always trying to get better, better and better. Yeah, I just don't understand how he does it. On, I mean, I understand how he does it, but uh, it's just insane to think. I was just having this conversation with a coworker the other day, um, and we were talking about the veterans, and Mike is, we were trying to figure out, like, well, is Micah a veteran? It's only year three. Wait, it's only mm-hmm. year three for Micah Parsons? Like, this is, I mean, it's just nuts to think about what he's been able to accomplish in two seasons, uh, and he just keeps getting better. And my favorite part of Micah Parsons that I think you're really going to start to see this season is that when he's angry, when he is competing, when he is ticked off, Micah plays his best ball. Everybody saw the viral video from the last day of training camp out in Oxnard um, last week where he was throwing haymakers at Tyler Biotish. And uh, at first, even for myself, I'm like, whoa, Micah, like, what are we doing? Uh, But then after that, I I think there wasn't a single play where Dak or Cooper or Will we're not having to scurry out of the pocket or throw the ball away to avoid getting the sack. I mean, it was just relentless pressure um, from Micah Parsons. And he's talked so much in the offseason about what he's done to get stronger. He trained with Andrew Whitworth all offseason just to kind of continue to grow his game there. Um, He was in the gym. He's kind of put on a little bit more weight and, and just really changed his body a lot. So this is a guy who loves to compete. He loves football. And I just, I feel really, 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 really bad for Daniel Jones in week one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Right. <laughs> so I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Micah's going to get fired up to go up against the Giants, an NFC East, obviously division opponent. Well, Haley, we'll wrap up with this. As far as Saturday goes, preseason game number three is the final one. Uh, give us one or two guys to really focus in on that you think are going to, you know, have to have big impact days. Uh, for, for the Cowboys? Yeah, I think the first one off the top is Will Greer. Um, obviously, okay. the NFL you know, gave the addition of being able to carry a third quarterback on your roster. And I think there's good to that. I think there's some bad to that. And for Will Greer, this really bodes well. Um, and so I really think he's going to have to be sharp on Saturday. I think he's had some really, really, really great moments throughout these last two preseason games. And he's had a couple of moments where it's like, eh, he probably shouldn't have thrown that ball into double coverage. We knew it was going to get picked. Um, so definitely Will Greer just continuing to watch him develop and seeing, you know, how he can continue to grow as a quarterback. Um, and then the obvious one is uh, Brandon Aubrey, the kicker. Um, I think ever since they um, released Tristan Viscano um, at the beginning of training camp, uh, Brandon has really locked in on that kicker spot. I think he's done really, really well. He's got a leg, too, which most people haven't seen. Um, at, at training camp at Oxnard, it's so difficult to kick because you're kicking into the wind, and it's strange, and there's a bunch of trees everywhere. There's, like, fans behind you. So it's just <laughs> it's a crazy atmosphere to try and be successful at. Um, but he's done a really good job in the games. I think so far he's perfect with the exception of missing that. Um, extra point in game one, Mike McCarthy kind of explained that to us as they were just trying to hurry up a little too quick and he got a little frazzled. So 
Um, I am excited to see him continue to solidify his spot as the only kicker, and I hope that that job remains his. Um, but to do that, he has to be successful on Saturday, and I imagine they'll probably be in some scenarios in which they'll allow him uh, to kick and compete a little bit more. Well, there you go. I'm just glad that the preseason is getting wrapped up. I'm sure you are as well, ready to get to the regular season, and I know the Cowboys are ready to get to the regular season in week one to face off against the Giants. Haley, great stuff. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, um, so full disclosure, this is actually my last week with the Cowboys. Oh, um, no way. I'll have a little bit, yeah, I'll have a little bit more um, of a job explanation uh, coming up next week. I really just wanted to kind of stay focused and stay grounded here with America's team for um, at least a little bit longer. So Saturday will actually be my last day with Dallas. Um, but oh, super exciting stuff in the future. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of right now I'm working on a move. Uh, okay, well, I'll be paying attention. I'll be checking you out on Twitter at underscore Haley Sutton, and, of course, I'll be reaching out. So I'm sure I'll be congratulating you sooner rather than later. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I look forward to it. Thank you. Absolutely, no doubt. Haley Sutton right there, host and reporter for the Dallas Cowboys. And I'll tell you right now, she's moving on to something else that's going to be big and better. And uh, I'm excited to see exactly what it is. And she's been making some good moves. And, uh, yeah, she, she does a fantastic job, as you can hear right there. That's interesting. I wonder where she's going. Inquiring minds want to know. Folks making moves. Folks are making moves. Next thing I know, Ari's going to hit me with a text and be like, hey, Q, uh, by the way, uh, <laughs> I'm going to need to talk to you right after we get off the air. No, I'm just kidding. Ari ain't going nowhere. I ain't Ari go nowhere. We definitely appreciate him. We appreciate you as well. Uh, feel free to hit us up with your feedback at 702-365-9200. Don't be broke.com. Text sign at 69187, keyword R&R. We have some Dave Ziegler sound. I'm going to take a quick early break. We have some Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly sound. Uh, we just got it cut up. The fine folks in the background, Jared and Ari, did a great job. We'll hear a few uh, sound bites, and then we'll get to Tyler Dragon from USA Today talking all things NFL here on Radio Nation Radio 920. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Q. Many thanks to Haley Sutton. Join us in the last segment talk all things Cowboys as the Raiders are preparing for the third and final preseason game going up to Big D and take on the Cowboys. I don't know who's going to be out there playing. I don't know who's going to be participating. Uh, some guys will be their final game, right? It'll be their final game as a member of the Silver and Black, and on Tuesday is when the cutdowns happen, and then some guys will go on to other teams. Some guys won't. Some guys will NFL career may come to a stop and come to a halt for a little while, but that's how the training camp and preseason goes. That's just kind of what it is. Speaking of cutting down the roster and getting everything squared away for the beginning of the season, GM Dave Ziegler and assistant GM Champ Kelly met with the media earlier today at the Intermountain Health Performance Center, and uh, they've got a few little sound bites that I wanted to bring to you from that. And first, we'll start with the guy that we know is going to be on the roster on uh, day one. That's Jimmy Garoppolo, and here's Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly just talking about his characteristics: uh, an even keeledness, uh, ability to you know, an ability to stay calm and poised, um, and just be a steady a steady influence on the offense. And you know, Jimmy has. Um, uh, you know, a, a mental toughness that, you know, we, that we look for in, in all players that, that we want to bring in. You know, we talk about being smart, tough, dependable, being able to perform at a high level um, in pressure situations. And we think Jimmy embodies a lot of that. He's embodied through that through his career. We've seen that as, as we've continued to grow together since we've signed him. And so, you know, we, we feel like um, he's a good leader for, um, for what we value at the position and, and what we value in terms of team building, too. 
there's a reason why they went out there and got him, you know. And so far, uh, every player that we've talked to to a T has really enjoyed him being a part of the team, and he's one of the guys. And, you know, it, it was a surprise to me, but there's a reason why they went out and got him. They knew exactly what he brought to the table and what they were going to use him for and how they were going to use him. And that's really, at the end of the day, all that matters. How about Aiden O'Connell? He's the, he's the flavor of the month, right? Everyone's talking about Aiden O'Connell. Well, here you go. Here's, here's a soundbite about Aiden O'Connell and his progress. Still developing. You know, like, like, much, like most of the young guys that we have on our football team now, um, I think he's done a good job of, of, of learning the system and, you know, gaining some trust with our coaching staff and with his teammates. And that's, as a young player, that's all you want to do during this time. And, and, and so, like, he's a, he, he creates a quiet poise, you know, in a huddle prior to every snap, and I think our players appreciate that about him. Champ Kelly right there talking about, Rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell. Before that, you heard Dave Ziegler talking about Jimmy G and his characteristics. Again, this is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920, and those two guys met with the media earlier today talking about the Raiders, just how they're putting the team together, what they're looking for, characteristics, and, you know, it's going to be tough decisions that they have to make by next week, and I'm sure that they've already got their I, – I think they have a great idea of what they're going to – of what they're going to do and who they're going to keep and who they're not. But at the same time, I think that there's still a few positions that they could be, you know, have them, have them on, the, on, the, on the little piece of paper and decide, okay, what about this guy? And going back and forth, I'm sure there's discussions going on amongst, amongst those guys and then some about a few of the players on the roster. The linebacking room is a room that is very interesting and very intriguing to me. I don't feel like it's the deepest room. I feel like there's some ta- talent there. Uh, D- Divine Diablo, can he take that next step? Robert Spillane was dr- brought in as a free agent. Luke Masterson was an undrafted free agent last year. Uh, they expect him to take a next step. Well, here they are talking about just the linebackers and a little bit more on that Raiders defense. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a competitive group. Um, we like the group that we have at linebacker. Um, they all have a little bit of a, of a different skill set. Um, you know, Robert's come in from Pittsburgh and, uh, you know, been a guy that has been as advertised. And in, in, in a lot of ways, um, I think he's um, exceeded some expectations um, just in terms of, um, you know, his ability to um, run the defense, uh, his ability in pass coverage, um, his athleticism, some of the things that um, you, you don't always know on film until you get, you know, you see him on the grass and you feel it and see him moving around. So he's done a good job. You know, Divine's taken another step that we're excited about. And then we have Luke, um, who's, who's, again, another guy that's grown. Amari shown it, showed up a little bit in pass coverage and things like that. Um, Curtis, you know, uh, Bolton was a guy that, uh, you know, developed as a, as a you know, disruptive kicking game player for us a year ago and really led those units. And he's taken another step. And um, Drake Thomas was all over the field the other night in the Rams game, racking up tackles and, and, and things of that nature. And so um, anybody on Maga? Oh, and Maga, who we, you know, brought back, and he goes out and, you know, he shows up in the kicking game. And so it's, been, it's, a, it's a young, energetic, high-energy group that we feel like f- f- kind of – uh, their skill sets play off each other, and they and they fill some different roles, and so it's a group we're excited to continue to work with. I think also they they kind of embody the personality of their of their position coach. Yeah. You know, um, AP has done a done a tremendous job working with those guys and 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 empowering them to be leaders of that defense. So there you go. There's uh, Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly 
talking about the linebacker room and just talking about some guys. And it's funny that they both, uh, you know, we're talking about Curtis Bolton and, and Drake Thomas, two guys that we really highlighted on the show yesterday. And those are two guys that really stood out to me as well. And you heard Dave Ziegler talk about Curtis Bolton as a guy that really kind of made his way by way of special teams. And now all of a sudden, you know, he's flying around the field. And you heard what he said about Drake Thomas flying around the field, racking up tackles. Uh, obviously, they enjoyed what they saw when it came to those guys. And, you know, that's why a lot of people talk about the linebacker room. And I've even talked about it and said, you know, it's, it could be very well could be the, you know, the weak link of the of the team because it's not really deep, especially after uh, Darian Butler went down. But they look like and sound like they really like the, the makeup of that room right now. So uh, we'll get back to some more sound bites from uh, both Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly as they met with the media earlier today. It was a pretty lengthy little uh, media session. Unfortunately, uh, I missed it since I you know, had to do a radio show. I don't know. It's kind of important. <laughs> right? Kind of got to be on time to the radio show. But, no, that was, uh, that was cool to have the opportunity to be – uh, you know, to hear from those guys because you don't get to hear from them that often. But when they talk, it's definitely worth noting and paying attention to because, you know, these are the guys that are making decisions. These are the guys that are trying to put this roster together. Of course, they're getting input from the coaches as well, and they're getting input from other uh, folks in the front office. But, I mean, these, these guys are literally putting this team together. And by Tuesday, uh, when it comes down to the time to have the 53-man roster, it's on them. They've got to get it figured out. So again, we'll get back to some more sound bites from them in just a little bit. But join us now on the phone lines from the USA Today. It's our good friend Tyler Dragon. And Tyler, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. I wanted to have you on to talk about a bunch of different storylines going on in the NFL. And we'll start in San Francisco with uh, Trey Lance. We found out yesterday he's going to be the third quarterback behind Sam Darnold, behind, uh, you know, b- b- behind Brock Purdy. So what do you think is, is, is in the future for Trey Lance? Is he QB3 in San Francisco for the long long haul, at least this season? Or do you think they find a trade partner and move him? Well, John Lynch said uh, today on the radio that Trey Lance is likely to stay in San Francisco, but they will listen to trade offers, and he is not closing the door on a possible trade. I think it's probably in the best interest of both parties for Trey Lance to uh, go somewhere else. Uh, he needs to change the scenery. He went from first-string quarterback to second-string to third-string. <laughs> so he's mm-hmm. had two demotions. Um, and, you know, that does a lot uh, negatively for anyone's confidence. So I think a change of scenery is best. I wouldn't be surprised if he got traded before the start of the regular season or at some point before uh, this year's trade deadline. How important is it for Trey just to get to somewhere, whether it's San Francisco or another team, just somewhere where they can give him some attention and, and, and development? I mean, the guy's played literally in four games in the NFL after being such a high draft pick. Yeah, it's vital because he really didn't play that much in college either. He didn't right. have that much of a sample size. So you have to go all the way back to really high school when Trey Lance <laughs> put consecutive seasons uh, together, uh, he needs that experience. We, we really don't know what type of quarterback Trey Lance is. He's had a short sample size in the NFL, unfortunately, due to some bad luck injuries. And when he was on the field, he was uh, very raw as a passer. Uh, wasn't really seeing defenses that well. Uh, was having uh, trouble with the speed of the game and processing. And you can fix all those issues by repetition and unfortunately for Trey Lance he has not had that many reps since he entered the NFL what do you think a team 
could offer up to the 49ers that they'd be willing to take for trade, knowing they're never going to get the return on investment that they that they gave up to go get him. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. They're certainly not going to get all the draft capital that they gave up to get him. But I, I can see a team uh, offering as high as a, a second-round pick for a quarterback like Trey Lance. Uh, I, I don't see a first-round pick. Uh, in exchange for Lance, but you know the teams do value his athletic ability. They recognize his potential. I uh, talk all those things about all what he did in those short sample size, but he has displayed some athletic ability. He has an above average arm, and you know when he was considered one of the top quarterback prospects in the draft a few years ago. So teams still notice the potential. Trey Lance has a huge question that nobody has an answer yet. Though is can he live up to that potential? Right, exactly. I mean, like you said, I mean, the, really, the last time he got a lot of good attention was in high school, and I think we all were good in high school, <laughs> right? <so. laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we all had a little bit of skill in high school. Tyler Dragon is our guest from USA Today here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Necessary roughness. Another storyline is obviously going on in Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor. The Colts have given him till Tuesday, him and his representation, to find a trade partner. Is that going to happen by Tuesday? I think it's unlikely. Uh, Jonathan Taylor certainly would definitely want to be traded. I'm hearing several teams are interested, whether it's the Miami Dolphins, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Los Angeles Chargers, Atlanta Falcons, and more. Um, but, no, excuse me, not the Atlanta Falcons. But, you know, I really do believe that Jonathan Taylor is probably going to have to begrudgingly uh, stay with the Indianapolis Colts. I don't see a team... Uh, being able to trade uh, high draft capital for him and then also give him the contract that he wants and desires. That is a, a tough ask, especially uh, considering that the regular season is just around the corner. Right, that's the thing. And, and you know, the, the running back position is so devalued right now, I don't see anyone giving up high draft capital and then on top of that giving him a big contract. What do you think it would take to get Jonathan Taylor out of Indianapolis? Well, I'm hearing the Colts want uh, a first or second round uh, type level pick for uh, mm-hmm. a running back uh, like Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to play hardball until they get uh, one of those high round draft picks. The Colts recognize the type of player Jonathan Taylor is. They really, really don't want to trade him. They'd rather him be in the backfield to help usher along a quarterback like Anthony Richardson, who's played to start this season. But they uh, they gave him permission to seek a trade offer, and they're willing to trade him if they get the right price for him. Yeah, I just I'm so interested to see how that shakes out. Of course, he's injured right now, and now he might get healthy as soon as a trade were to happen. If a trade were to happen, but. We will see. And, Tyler, earlier today uh, the Cardinals looked like they were having a fire sale of all fire sales. They had two trades. They ended up making a trade as well, bringing in a quarterback. Uh, Is it almost inevitable that they're going to be probably the worst team in the league this year? Well, the Cardinals made three trades today. (laughs) Uh, I I do think uh, they're probably uh, going to draft a quarterback. A lot of people have Caleb Williams uh, linked to Arizona I don't know uh, how Kyler Murray feels about that, but he's likely going to miss probably about half the season this year. And we all know the Cardinals have a new coach, a new GM, so 
it, it just feels like they are cleaning house slowly but surely in Arizona, and they're in the, um, in the beginning stages of a rebuild. They already traded DeAndre Hopkins away, traded what uh, uh, will let go, let walk some of their uh, premier defenders, mm-hmm. and I believe it's just inevitable for them to just blow it all up and start over, and that includes Kyler Murray as well. Where do you think he would end up? I mean, he's got this big contract, but I know everything is movable. I mean, the NFL, those contracts really don't mean anything. Where do you think a good fit with, for Murray would be if he inevitably does get moved? You know, uh, I, I mistakenly mentioned the Falcons earlier, but I would love to see Kyler Murray mm. with the Atlanta Falcons. It would be almost like Michael Vick all over again. <laughs> In Atlanta, right? they already have a, a run-oriented type offense. You know, I would love to see him in Atlanta. I think he would do great things, and especially in that division, which doesn't have a lot of premier quarterbacks. No, it doesn't. I mean, right now in that division, Derek Carr is QB1, right? He's the best quarterback in that division as of right now. Again, Tyler Dragon from the USA Today is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So Kansas City, Chris Jones, he's not reporting. He put out on social media, hey, you know, I'll I'll sit out to week eight if I have to. I can afford it. How quickly do you think Chris Jones finally does show up for Kansas City? Well, I hope it's before week eight for all uh, Kansas City Chiefs that sake, and just NFL <laughs> in general. He's one of the right. best players in the National Football League. I believe he's the second-best uh, defensive tackle in the NFL behind Aaron Donald, and the Chiefs certainly need him if they want to defend their Super Bowl title. The Chiefs uh, aren't hoisting two Lombardi trophies in the last few years without Chris Jones as a defensive tackle. I just remember his plays against the Cincinnati Bengals were paramount in their win in the AFC Championship game last season. He is one of the premier defenders in the National Football League, and the Chiefs certainly need him. If I was Kansas City, I would try to uh, meet him somewhere in the middle and give him a big-time contract, not north of what Aaron Donald gets, but maybe slightly under that $30 million a year mark. They can certainly afford it in Kansas City. Do you think that they're going to be willing to do that? I mean, it's, look, it's already close to the beginning of the season, but do you think that sooner rather than later they will be willing to, to come to agreement with them? Because, again, they do need him for that run. Both sides were talking until things uh, got uh, pretty ugly uh, which mm. in the last uh, few weeks. So I do imagine that they'll get back to the negotiating table and try to iron out a deal before the beginning of the regular season because the Chiefs know that they need Chris Jones on their defense. Their defense is uh, mediocre at best without Chris Jones. They certainly need him, especially if they want to win the AFC West and uh, maybe get back to the Super Bowl. As we close things out, we'll get back to home and we'll talk about the Raiders a little bit. Josh Jacobs obviously is uh, top of mind for everyone in Raider Nation. They're anticipating when he shows up. Tyler, how quickly do you think he needs to show up to be available for the beginning of the regular season? He better show up next week. (laughs) If he does not show up next week, I do not see how he's going to be out there uh, for week one for the Raiders. I mean, you you need at least uh, – a couple weeks, at a week at minimum, to be ready for the regular season. And I know he's staying in shape and working out, but there's nothing that replicates practice with your teammates and getting kind of those live reps 
to kind of get a feel of the game. He's going to have inevitable rest when he comes back. So he needs to come back sooner rather than later if the Raiders want him to be available for week one when they travel to Denver to play the Broncos. Last week you were there uh, out there in L.A. when the Raiders were having their joint practices against the Rams. They went on to play the Rams on Saturday. Jimmy G got the start, and then Aiden O'Connell cleaned things up at the end. What did you think about the two quarterbacks for the Raiders, both Jimmy G and Aiden O'Connell? I like what I've seen from Aiden O'Connell. We all know he's not going to be the QB1 in Las Vegas, but he's coming along uh, pretty well, uh, better than I expected, quite honestly. Even uh, in practice against the Rams, he made a few plays that were quite impressive. Now, with Jimmy G, uh, he's already built a rapport with Devontae Adams. You can see it in practice. He looks his way. He's the first read almost every single time. There were multiple occasions when Devontae Adams was single covered to the outside, and as soon as Jimmy Garoppolo hiked the ball, he just looked straight Devontae Adams' way, didn't look anywhere else, and threw him the ball. And uh, 75% of the time, it was a successful play (laughs) for the Raiders. So I I do like that connection so far. They've already built a rapport. It's not hard to build a rapport with arguably the best receiver in the National Football League, but it seems like that they've hit the ground running in Las Vegas. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I'm I'm excited to see what it looks like and how it translates into the regular season and uh, see if Raider Nation is going to be pumped up, excited about this this upcoming season of uh, Raider football. Well, Tyler, good stuff as always, my man. What are you working on that uh, we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so I should have a a story about the Raiders division rival coming out uh, with Brandon uh, Staley and the Los Angeles Chargers Mm. next week. And then I'm knee-deep in track and field world championships. Uh, the women and men's 200-meter finals are tomorrow. We all know about Shakiri Richardson, but also Noah Lyles on the men's side is running in the finals. So keep it locked on usatoday.com or my uh, Twitter profile, at the One Dragon if you want uh, any news on track and field as well. There it is. I appreciate you as always, my man. Good stuff, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. You too, my man. There he goes. Tyler Dragon, USA Today. A good friend of the show. Definitely appreciate him. Got the NFL covered. Got track and field covered. He's got a little bit of everything covered. And he was a heck of a track star back in the day. Uh, So definitely appreciate him and his time. 3.43 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Get to your calls and texts as we close out hour number two of the show. We're here at the Circa. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Man, just grind it out, man. That's about it. Yeah, man, just head down, keep working. That's about it. The offense trying to go down and score. It's Samir White getting the push. And he's in. Touchdown Raiders on the opening drive of the preseason. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Zamir White got the touchdown against the Niners. You heard him talking a little bit. That's what he does. He talks a little bit. He doesn't He doesn't go on some big, elaborate conversations, but Zamir is cooler than the other side of the pillow. <laughs> he's one of those guys that you definitely root for, and I uh, think he's going to have a big role regardless of the status of Josh Jacobs. He's going to have a big role this upcoming year with the Raiders and their offense. So uh, there you go, a little Zamir White coming back here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. We'll have Derek Stevens from uh, Circa Sports here in a little while at the table, and we'll talk about everything that's going on here at Circa this weekend. We're excited about that, but right now want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Raider C's will start us off. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, Q. 
What's up, brother? Um, so my call is about Aiden O'Connell, and okay. pretty much uh, just franchise quarterback. I uh, hope that he ends up being it, just because obviously Jimmy G is not the long term. Right. But I really hope that this year he gets his experience behind Hoyer. You know, really just digest it because what I feel, what I fear would be something like. O'Connell has to go out there too soon, and obviously the extensive Josh McDaniels playbook, you have so many layers to it that it just looks bad that if he went out there, he doesn't know it all. Everybody's like, oh, see, he's not the quarterback, and they immediately give up on him. So I right. hope that he really does get a full year, really grasp it. But the biggest thing, and it's kind of funny, I really hope that they change his, his jersey number because I know <laughs> that they just gave it to him when he first got in. And obviously there's going to be more numbers available pretty soon. But I really hope that it's established, like, very early on that he gets a new number once they're down to 53. So I could buy that jersey and just already anticipate that this guy might just be the guy. And either way, I'm rooting for him. There you go, Aiden O'Connell. I like it. I like it. Raider C's, thanks so much. And I'll see what happens. Uh, you know, we'll all see what happens when it comes to the number. I know he doesn't care at all. I know that a lot of Raider Nation feels some kind of way by the number. At the end of the day, man, it's a number. It's a number. And I, I know, again, like I said, some people uh, feel like it's a slight to D.C. And, you know, maybe it was, right? I'm not going to say it wasn't. I'm not in the head of Coach McDaniels. I'm not a hit in the head of the, the folks that gave him the number. But, I mean, look, at some point someone's going to rock that number, and it's going to be what it's going to be. So I, I'm not really worried about it. I think it's all due respect to, to D.C. and everything that he did for the Raiders for the time that he was uh, with the Raiders. Now he's in New Orleans, and he's going to try to do his thing there with the Saints, and, and that's that's cool too. So, uh, you know, w whatever happens with the number, I'm I'm more excited and, and, you know, curious to see what he can develop into, the player, right? The number be damned. I, I really just care about what he's going to look like on the field. Is he a guy that can develop into something more than what I anticipated when they drafted him? And I have no problem saying I thought he was going to be a, you know, glorified backup, you know, and, and right now he looks like he has a pretty good idea of an, an understanding of what he's supposed to be doing in this Josh McDaniels offense. But the thing about it, and we talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show, this is such a small sample size of Josh McDaniels offense. This is not like he's got the full meal deal thing, right? He's just really, uh, you know, taking advantage of what is being thrown at him. And honestly, we don't even know how much of the, the, the field is being thrown at him. There's times that, uh, that coordinators could say, okay, look, you know, this, this play or this, these couple plays, you're going to really be focused on this side of the field where they don't have to really open it up as much as, you know, as, as if a, a guy had a full grasp of the whole playbook. So uh, we'll see how he continue to, continues to develop. But I think that you're onto something. If he could just sit there and learn from Brian Hoyer, you know, even if he's the, the, the second-string quarterback, but still have Brian Hoyer on the roster and be in his ear and try to coach him up, I think that would go a long way. I really do. As much coaching, as much attention as he could possibly get is important, especially since we know once the regular season starts, there's not going to be a whole lot of, you know, reps for, from, from the coach and, and, you know, the, just the individual teaching because now it's about getting the starter prepared for week one. So thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate it. Let's go back out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our guy, Stove. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Stove? Hey, Q. Some people say it's been a minute, but it's been an hour since I called. So uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, is, uh, it is great that the season is so close. Uh, I got a lot, a lot of things on my mind here. First, as far as Aiden O'Connell goes, uh, you had a great interview with Dane Brugler the other day, and something stood out for what he said. If I, if I heard him correctly, he said Aiden O'Connell will be 25 years old uh, this season. And, and yep. a 25-year-old rookie 
is not something that most most general managers would sign up for, but we're seeing his maturity. He yeah. may not be NFL ready when it comes to the experience, but when it comes to the age and the amount of football that he's played and and you know getting an opportunity to to get some highs and lows at the highest of the college level, I think that helps him. You know, I, I mm-hmm. like everybody else hopes that Jimmy G plays 17 games. That would be the best case scenario. But but as far as Aiden O'Connell goes, to have a 25 year old be ready to step in if we need him is pretty exciting. But but what I wanted to talk about is so many of the Raider fans and, and even the national people have been so negative about the team throughout the offseason, people talking about a rebuild and people talking about how we're, we're in it to play for the number one overall pick. I, I never bought into that. I never saw it. There is no reason, injuries aside, there is no reason that this offense should not be top ten in the NFL. They have absolutely everything to put up points in the NFL. And if Jimmy G can get us into the end zone when we're in the red zone, something we haven't been able to do in the past, we should be averaging 27, 28 points a week. And then you're just hoping that your defense plays well enough to get you some wins. So I was never buying into a rebuild. And I really believe that this team is going to be competitive this year. And if some of the breaks go our way, I don't think a playoff position is out of the question. And one thing I've always hated as a sports fan, and certainly as a Raider fan, is Raider fans have been beat up for 20 years, 20, maybe 30 years at this point. But I can tell you that Aiden O'Connell and Trey Tucker and Max Crosby and and all of these guys that are wearing the uniform could give two you-know-whats about what took place in 2004. That doesn't matter to them. They are Raiders now, and we're going to see a team this year that's going to compete for the playoffs, no question about it. All right, great call, Stove. Great call. Love the passion right there. And, yeah, that's what I say all the time is that, you know, the, the team that's on the field now ain't worried about the 20, 25, whatever the case may be, of years of losing, right? It's about the time that they're rocking the silver and black jersey, and it's what they do in the jersey right now. And so, yeah, these guys, again, if the standard is raised, like I believe the standard is being raised, led by guys like you mentioned, Max Crosby and others, then it's about the now. It's not about the, the past. The problem is – What's happened is, you mentioned it, Raider fans have been beat up. And as a lifelong Raider fan myself, I understand. I say it all the time. You know, players come and go, coaches come and go, GMs come and go, this, that, and the other comes and goes. What stays the same? The fans. So the fans are there with whoever the quarterback is, whoever the wide receiver is, whoever the running back is. The fans are always there. So, you know, you go through the highs and lows. It's like a roller coaster. You go through it where players can change teams whenever they want. (laughs) Right? I mean, not – always whenever they want, but, I mean, it, they change they change teams all the time. So there's that. So thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. We're at the Circa. When we come back, Derek Stevens is expected to join us here at the table. We'll talk to him and more. It's Red Nation Radio 920.